Before we do communion, we have an announcement to make. We had a birthday yesterday, and it was Mom's birthday, the matriarch of this church. She is a big nine zero. Amen. 90 years of age, 90 years young. She's going to live to 120. <laughs> Amen. So let's all sing her happy birthday. Mom, come on up. Come on up, Mom. Come on up. <clears throat> She's got it. She's coming. For 90 years old, she moves good, doesn't she? <laughs> Ready? Oh. Amen. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear mom. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Happy birthday. More. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. 90 years young yesterday. Thank you, Jesus. A um, few more announcements. Prayer meeting, 7 o'clock Wednesday. There's three locations. The church, Mom and Ed's house, or our house. If we're not at one, we're at the other. Amen. Amen. Now, do we have any other announcements? Church dinner next Sunday. Right after church, we have a church dinner. Right here, next Sunday. Next Sunday here at the church. It's our church family's Thanksgiving. Amen. Invite a friend. Amen. Invite a friend. Invite all your friends, my wife clarifies. All right, Julie, come on down. Let's do communion. Come on down for communion. You ready? Yeah. Ready? Ready, dear? I might have to get more elements. Let me see. <clears throat> okay, so as we get ready to take communion together, I had... It's so funny how the enemy tries to work, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, I had the scripture all picked out on my phone. I thought I brought it. Did you guys see my phone? Did anybody see my phone? <gasps> I don't think so. You did? Oh, maybe it's in the uh, worship room. Are, are you checking for me, Phil? Check in the, the room in there. I might have set it down. Hi, Mom, Phil. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> you heard it. Good job. Okay, so this is Luke 24, 13 through 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk? Ooh, how many times, what would we say? How many times if we were walking down Emmaus Road with a friend and he said, what are you talking about? 
Would it be about Jesus? <laughs> Question number one. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. That's Jesus asking them, what things? Okay, keep that in mind. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Here it comes. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and began to give it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Can you imagine? <laughs> they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found eleven, the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is why we're here, and this is why I spoke about uh, the Emmaus Road last week. And this morning I was praying, and it's like the Lord just kept saying, the road to Emmaus, the road to Emmaus. And I was like, Lord, I spoke about that last week. <laughs> but he's like, no, there's more, there's more. And the question that came to my mind is will we recognize him will we recognize him when we're walking down our road to emmaus will we know him will we see him will we sense his presence they said their hearts were burning when he was speaking and he did cause their eyes to be blinded because he's telling us uh, he's telling us that it is his body it is his body the bread it is his blood the wine that we are to consume 
it's part of what he wants to show us. And as we're faithful to that little command, you know, you think of it. I grew up in the Baptist church, and I just couldn't wait for the day I could take communion. But they didn't let you take it there when you were little. You had to wait. And I just wanted to. They should have let me because that's probably when I was the best person. <laughs> when I was like five years old, ten years old. They're the ones who should take communion. All us old people should wait <laughs> and let them take it for us because of their innocence and their beauty and their youth. But I couldn't wait. I just couldn't wait to take the communion. And there was something in me, even as a child, I knew it was holy. I knew it was special. But then we go through life. We go down the road to Emmaus. And we get busy. And we get going to all our places. And we think, and we look right now. I've heard so many people say right now, things are so bad. The government's so bad. Coronavirus is so bad. It's like, where is God? Where is he? Where is he? When is he coming? When is he going to do something? But he's right here. He's right here in us. He needs to rise up in us. His spirit, the spirit of God, as we prepare the way for his return. As we prepare the way for his return. We are on the road to Emmaus. This is part of the process. Everything that's happening, it is, I have heard Ellie say so many times, there's no doom and gloom. And you know what? I don't care if all hell breaks out on the earth. I don't care if the population is destroyed with disease and war and whatever. God's people, his presence is here. His power is here. His glory is here. We can never accept that doom and gloom because no matter what happens, and it doesn't mean that everything's going to be great. It doesn't mean that Trump's going to come back and save the world. Jesus is going to come back and save the world. Amen? And we pray that he uses all of us, <laughs> including Trump. <laughs> We pray that he uses his people for his glory. But trust me, don't. This is what a man said to us when we were on our trip. And this is what we have to remember. We get going down that Emmaus Road. We get going down it. And we're talking about all our problems. And we're trying to figure it all out. And we're trying to make sense of it. And he's right there. And he's saying, but wait, I'm right here. I've already won the victory. I've already won it. And don't you try to take the battle because the battle is mine, says the Lord. Does that mean he isn't going to use us as his instruments? Yes. That's why he said, take the bread and the wine. It's my body. It's my blood. You will be used of me. You will become. I will be in you. You will bear me. And I said to the Lord this morning, like, because he kept saying to me, rest in the Lord. Rest. It's time to rest. It's time to get away with the Lord. It's time to be in his presence. Like they, they went into the place to eat together. It's time to eat with him. It's time to fellowship. It's time to eat his word so he can pour into us, so he can open our eyes and take the scales off. He can open the eyes of the blind right now because he's getting ready to birth something. And if we're fighting instead of resting, those of you who've had babies, who've given birth, you know that when it's time to give birth, they say, rest. You're supposed to calm down. You have to calm down. You have to let your belly rest. Even when the contractions come, even when they feel like they're ripping you to shreds, <laughs> you have to rest because that's how the baby will be birthed. 
And it's the same thing in what the Lord is doing today. We have to rest. We have to break bread with him. We have to recognize him. We have to let him win our battles. And I praise God for that this morning. And I pray that as we partake together, this little body, who God is going to use in a mighty way, I proclaim it this morning, every person here, to be used in a mighty way for the return of Christ, for the message of Jesus to go out of this room, the message of the gospel, the forgiveness of sin. Amen. So we are going to partake together this morning, and as we do, I pray, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, open our eyes. Open our eyes, Lord. Keep our eyes open, our ears open. Lord, help us to rest in you. Help us to rest even when we feel contractions. Help us to rest and to believe what your word says, that as we trust you, as we surrender, Lord, we will have the victory because the victory was already won. We just have to walk that path. We have to walk that path in the glory of God, in the power of God, in the presence of God. Lord, help us this morning. Fill us with yourself as we do this small, this small thing of obedience to do what your word said, to eat the body and to drink the blood of Jesus through Holy Communion and allow you to fill us with yourself. And we pray for that this morning. Let's take the bread. I would so encourage you that you do this in your homes. And it's not the it's not these things, it's whatever you have and you come before the Lord and you use it to partake together with your family, with yourself, you and Jesus and let him minister to you. And we pray right now, let's hold the bread up together. The body of Jesus broken for us, for our healing in the name of Jesus. And that you would be healers in the name of Jesus. That these hands that hold the bread of life would become healing hands through the power of Jesus. Let's break it and partake and thank him. Now we take the the wine, we take the wine, the the blood of Jesus. God, never, never let us take this in a way that is just religious, that is just tradition, that is just habit. Let us think of you on the cross, Jesus. Let us think of you there for us. You have redeemed us. You have redeemed us by your blood. And you said that as we partake of this together as the body of Christ, as we partake of this in the unity of the blood of Jesus, that, Father, you redeemed us. You redeemed us for this day. You redeemed us for such a time as this. And I pray that the blood of Jesus would cover us from the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet. 
Lord, that we would be cleansed before you. That we would continually come and surrender ourselves. And that we would just quickly take any sin that we commit willingly. Lord, we would bring it to you and say, forgive us, cleanse us, O Lord, by the blood of Jesus. We receive your forgiveness. And we forgive others. And we praise you this day, O God, for the great, great and wonderful victory that you gave us through the blood of Jesus. We partake together. Let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your people, Lord. Bless them, Jesus, with your presence and power. Rise up in us, O God, today to do your will, that we would walk the road of Emmaus with victory, with victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Revelation chapter 6. And we are now on the seals of our Revelation teaching. Put my glasses on. So in chapter 5, we remember that John was weeping because no one was worthy to open the scroll until one of the elders said to John, Do not weep. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scrolls and the seven seals. And that's in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. And we know that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is worthy, amen? And is the only one with the legal right to open the scroll and to open the seals. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord God, before I start this teaching today, Lord God, that you would open up our eyes Open up our ears, open up our hearts, Lord God, and cover our minds to receive all that you have for us. I pray, Lord God, that we would, we would just uh, receive it, believe it, Lord God, and live it. And help us to do all of these things, Lord Jesus, every day. As we die to ourselves more and more, we let you live more and more in us, Lord Jesus. I pray for your will to be done here in this church. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to each heart today, Lord God, and that, Lord God, that you would just open the scriptures up to us. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 6. The seals. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! Does that sound like thunder? Come! How was that? Does that sound like thunder better? Come! I looked and therefore before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was giving... A crown, and he rode out as a conqueror, bet on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was giving it power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. 
When the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a day's wages, and three quarts of barley for a day's wages. And do not damage the oil and the wine. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures say, Come! I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was followed, following close behind him. They were given power over fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beast of the earth. Let me tell you something that I am deathly afraid of. Being mauled by a grizzly bear, eaten by a shark. Let's see. What else? A polar bear. Right? There are tigers or lions. I am deathly afraid of all of those because I do not want to be eaten or killed by a beast of the field. Amen? That would be a terrible way to die. Thank God it's not going to happen to the elect. Amen? <clears throat> but the opening of the first of the four seals, or the opening of the scroll first, the four seals represent or present to us the four horsemen of the apocalypse, who I've just read. And the four horsemen of the apocalypse, they present a fierce image of God's judgment. Not just, it's not just judgment, but it's terrifying judgment that's coming upon the earth. But I want to make a little note. The church is still here. The church has not been raptured yet when these four judgments or these four horse, horses have been released from heaven. So keep that in mind. <clears throat> also, I want to take you back to the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 1, 7 through 17. Got to have these markers because I've got a lot of scripture today. It says, on the 24th day of the 11th month, the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edu. During that night I had a vision, and there before me was a man riding a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in a ravine. Behind him were red, brown, and white horses. I asked, What are these, Lord? The angel who was talking with me answered, I will show you what they are. Then the man standing among the myrtle trees explained, They are the ones the Lord has sent to go out throughout the whole earth. And they reported to the angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees. We have gone throughout the earth and found the whole world at rest and in peace. Then the angel of the Lord said, to, said Lord Almighty, how long will you withhold mercy from Jerusalem and from the towns of Judah, which you have been angry with for these 70 years? So the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who had talked with me. Then the angel who was speaking to me said, Proclaim this word. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I am jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. But I am very angry with the nations that feel secure. Think about that. 
I was only a little angry, but they added to the but they added to their calamity. Therefore, this is what the Lord says: I will return to Jerusalem with mercy, and there my house will be rebuilt, and the measuring line will be stretched out over Jerusalem, declares the Lord Almighty. Proclaim further: This is what the Lord Almighty says. My towns will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> now these four horses went out throughout the whole earth to bring back the report to the angel of the Lord. Now, I don't know if these are the same four horses that are the four horses of the apocalypse. But God uses horses for all you horse lovers out there. And it's interesting because in heaven, God understood the horses. Like they gave, them the re they gave him the report. I want to bring you back also to Zechariah, the same chapter, chapter 1, but verses 1 through 6. And why I do is because many of us ask, is there anything that we can do as Christians? Anything that we can do as Christians to prevent or delay the effects of of these coming judgments. What can we do? Is there something we can do? Well, I know God's word is true. And I know that God will accomplish his word to the letter. But I do know that God hears prayer. It says in the eighth month of the second year of Darius... This is in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1. That the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Edu. The Lord was angry with your forefathers. Therefore tell the people this, is what the Lord Almighty says, Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. Amen? Did you hear that? Return to me, and I will return to you. Do not be like your forefathers to whom the early prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord Almighty says, turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention. To me, declares the Lord. Where are your forefathers now? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your forefathers? Then they repented. And I underlined that word, repented. And said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what our ways and practices deserve, just as he is determined to do. And why I say that to you is this. And I felt like the Lord pressed this on my spirit. <clears throat> First of all, repentance. We must all repent. Amen? That's part of coming to the Lord. We must all repent. Repentance means turning away and turning toward God, doing a 180. Turning away from sin and turning, turning toward God. And I've always believed before the Lord comes back that there is going to be a very strong call of repentance to the churches and to the people of God first and then to the world. I've always believed that in my heart because just as Jesus came, He had John as a forerunner who preached repentance. And Jesus came preaching his kingdom come. And the Lord 
impressed on me in my spirit this morning. He reminded me, and I'm going to paraphrase these things, but you can look them up in Jonah chapter 3, verses 10. He says, but I am reminding Jonah when God spared Nineveh because the whole city repented. Jonah went out preaching to Nineveh to repent or God was going to destroy Nineveh. And Nineveh was not a small city at that time. I think there was over 100,000 people there. Then God reminded me of King Hezekiah. And you can read those accounts of King Hezekiah in 2 Kings uh, chapter 20. When King Hezekiah, the prophet Isaiah came up to King Hezekiah and he told Hezekiah, get your house in order because you're going to die and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Well, Hezekiah went into weeping and repentance and before Isaiah could even leave the kingdom or leave the outer courts of the kingdom, God turned him around and he said, go back to Hezekiah and you tell Hezekiah that I heard his prayer of repentance. I heard his cry. And you tell him I'll give him 15 more years to his life. And God added 15 more years to Hezekiah's life. And then I'm reminded, the Lord reminded me this morning too of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. And if you have your Bibles, we can go there. Genesis chapter 18. And the reason I want to read it to you is because when I think of this, I also think of the rapture. But also the power we have in prayer and in our petitions to God. And I see how the enemy has so come against the church and come against Christians in their prayer life. Not just in the churches, but in their own personal prayer life. You know, the, a prayer is a, for, is a weapon. Right? Prayer is a weapon. We can bind things up with prayer. And we can loose things with prayer. Prayer moves the hand of God. Amen? And if the devil can stop us from praying, then he can stop us from binding them up. And he can stop us from loosing blessings upon the, upon the uh, believers and upon the body. Amen? Now nothing, and I want you to keep this in mind, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Even delaying the coming judgments are not impossible for God. If we truly repent, if we get on our knees earnestly and repent and weep, then God is faithful and just. He'll hear our prayers. The prayer of the righteous man availeth much. And I think that even if they aren't delayed... I think our prayers will get us out of here. <laughs> Amen? Before the terrible, before the great tribulations come. And, it's, and it says that in the word, in the scriptures. But much like Sodom and Gomorrah, if we do not repent and turn to God, then there won't be a delay. And God will lead out or catch away his remnant, his overcomers, from what's to come. Amen? So you got your Bibles open to Genesis chapter 18. We're going to start with verse 20 and go to verse 33. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. Like the Lord is saying, I'm going to go down and see this thing for myself. If what they're saying is true, 
if what the outcry of the righteous people are saying about Sodom and Gomorrah is true, then I'm going to cast judgment upon it. But i got to see this, if it's that bad. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do what's right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of the 40, I will not do it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30. Abraham said, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered for the sake of the 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord has finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. If only 10. When I hear these scriptures, when the Lord reminds me of these scriptures, it just reminds me of how powerful our prayers and petitions are to God. Abraham pleaded for Sodom. We need to plead for our nation. We need to plead for our, for our world, for our country, for the people around us. That they would come to God. That they would repent and be saved. That they will turn. Just a little side note I said here. When you get let out, when the Lord leads you out, when we get caught up, don't look back. <laughs> don't look back. Don't be looking back at the earth. You know, it's like it's like those guys. I have to, and I have to remind myself, it's like I watch NASCAR races sometimes to see well, what well, who's gonna crash. You know, you wait for the crashes. It's terrible. And that's terrible, but I'm being honest with you. Like, oh, that was a terrible crash. You know, and you can get caught up in looking back and just seeing what, what's going on. Don't be looking back. You ask Lot's wife. She turned to a pillar of salt. Don't be looking back at the calamity of what's going to happen in this world. Because I'm going to tell you what my wife said earlier. All hell is going to break loose. All hell is going to break loose. All hell is going to be released. The devil is being cast out of heaven. And he's coming down to this earth to torment us. For a time. And we need to be overcomers. That's why we need to get ourselves right with God. God let the righteous people out of Sodom. Just like he's going to do it again. That's why I said it reminds me of the rapture. God. Destroyed the whole city. But he, before he did, he got the right, his angels came and got the righteous people out. And God's going to do it again. Before this world goes into the great tribulation, God is going to come down with a shout from the archangels with a trumpet blast. And he's going to get his people out. Amen. And I will tell you that and I will read that to you. It's a promise of God. It's going to happen. It's the word of God, and he will perform his word to the letter. 
Amen? So I do believe things can be prayed and prayed for and be delayed. I think God is a merciful grace, a grateful God. I don't think great grace has been lifted. We're living in a time of great grace right now. He's given us great grace right now, today, to live in such a time as this. We've been chosen by him. We've been marked with a seal by him. I also believe that these four seals have been loosed already on the earth. And I'm going to tell you, I was talking to my wife about this. These four seals of the four horsemen, we see them happening all around us right now. They're happening all at once. I believe these first four seals happen like that. Bam, 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 bam. Just as fast as I read them to you out of the book of Revelation, I believe they happen that fast. Because they're all happening at once right now around the world. We see that um, the white horse has been loose. The false prophets, you know, they're bent on conquest. Who's bent on conquest right now? We see Russia and China. They're bent on conquest. China wants to take over the whole world. That's the white horse. That's what the white horse represents. It also represents the false prophet because he's a copycatter. Because he knows that Jesus is coming back on a white horse. Right? So he's going to try to come back on a white horse to deceive many. To thinking, oh, it's the way we should go. We should follow man. Let me tell you what. You do not follow man. You follow God. Amen. You don't follow man. You don't follow me. You follow God. Amen. Amen. You pray about everything I preach about. I'm not your Savior, and I can't save one of you. But Jesus can. All I can do is lead you to him who saves. Amen. Amen. But you never follow a man. You follow God. Amen. We live by faith and not by fear. Amen. The red horse represents wars, rumors of wars, people being led against each other. Well, isn't that happening right now in our nation? Our nation is seeing a separation like never before. They're talking about the next revolutionary civil war in America. That there will be a rise up. And there should be a rise up of righteous people. Because they never handled and took care of the revolutionary war right or the Civil War right. They didn't complete the mission. Because if all men were created equal, then they wouldn't have had slavery. And that's why they had the Civil War. And then they didn't, then they didn't get that right either. Because they had to have Martin Luther King march. So America needs to be healed and set free of this. And it's not just in America, it's around the world. People are being led against each other. The black horse represents the economy. We see that's happening. We see the prices of gas going up. We see... The prices of food rising, inflation, yes. and they're talking about hyperinflation. Yes. The economy, even around the world, is in chaos. They don't know what to do. I could tell you this, I wish I invested in Bitcoin when it was about a dollar or two at its conception. But I don't invest. Amen? Amen. Sorry. I invest in my family. <laughs> That's right. I am not invested in anything. I don't have any investments. I invest in the kingdom of God Amen. as much as I can, where rust and moth will not devour. Amen? And the Lord told me I need to be a giver. Give more, give more, give more. 
But we see what's going on in the world with the black horse is loose. The pale horse is loose. The pale horse is named Death. And he's taking power over the world to take a quarter of the earth. Well, you know, I would like to know exactly what the statistics are for COVID. You know? What are the true statistics? Power of the pale horse also represents plagues. That could be locusts, that could be viruses, that can be anything. That could be man-manufactured Wuhan virus, the China virus. China, China virus. I can't say it like him, but you know who I'm talking about. Amen? Well, I see all these things happening right now throughout the world. We're there. We're in the four horsemen's. We're at that point. And we should be praying even more. Lord, give us more time. Help us. Give me 15 more years, Lord. Be like Hezekiah. Lord, don't destroy the city if there's 10 righteous men. Be like Abraham, our father. The fifth seal. The fifth seal's been opened. The blood of the martyrs. They're crying out. Do you know the martyrs are crying out under the throne of God? How long, Lord? How long? How much longer? How much longer do we have to wait until you revenge our blood? How much longer, Lord God? We hear of Christians being martyred, put to death in Afghanistan, Korea, China. I wouldn't be surprised if it's happening quietly in the United States. If it's not, it's coming. According to the scriptures, Jesus said this, If they hate me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. We are being persecuted. I call it a soft form of persecution. They're trying to shut us up. They're trying to lock us up. Amen? Amen. It's happening right now. They're trying to force us into things that we do not believe. How much longer, Lord? How much longer? The sixth seal. It says that the moon will turn to blood. Earthquakes. Asteroids are being reported everywhere. You know, on this Friday, the 19th, Ephraim probably knows what's going to happen. It's going to be the longest blood moon that we've ever seen. It's going to last for over three and a half hours. And it's over Canada and America. You know, I looked up today how many, vol- how many volcanoes are actually going off around the world. There are over 48 volcanoes that are in continuous eruption right now. 20 that are active. 48 that have been active. They might not be as active as this La Palma volcano that's on the Canary Islands, that's been going off for over 40 days straight to its fifth week of, of massive volcano. And that volcano I've been watching closely because they're saying with that volcano, with, and they've been having earthquakes, but if that earthquake takes place in that volcano, there's a big fault line that runs across the top of the Canary Islands. And if you don't know where the Canary Islands are, it's off the coast of Spain and off, the, off of Africa there. They're saying if that thing slides down into the ocean, it will cause a mega tsunami that will wipe out the east coast of the United States. And that's been prophesied about. People have had dreams of this, and they've seen visions of this United States being underwater. 
So that's going on right now. It's been going on now for over 40 days, for five weeks. But 48 volcanoes I looked up. The other thing I saw on the news, I don't know if it's old or not, but they had uh, hail and snow somewhere in the desert of Africa, where they, the Sahara Desert, where they've never have it. There's those signs of the apocalypse. And then in Australia, they had over a million lightning strikes with one storm. See, these are all the beginning of the birth pains of what's to come. They're all the beginning of the birth pains for what's to come. I got to get back to Revelation here. Get back, because I've gone way ahead. It says here, in the sixth seal, and I'm on verse um, 12 now, Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned to blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree. Wow. We could put that into representation as Late apples fall off the apple tree. When shaking by a strong wind, the sky receded like a scroll rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Do you know they say that this coming judgment upon the earth, they say that in Noah's days the flood was bad. The flood covered the whole earth. Wiped out all of humanity except for Noah and his family. They say these coming judgments, that the flood is going to be nothing to what's coming upon the earth. We'd rather go through the flood than what's coming upon the earth. Because you don't want to be here when the, you see the sky rolled up like a scroll. Pastor Paul Begley says, it's the five waves of energy. It's the five waves of energy. It says, Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains. I'm going to say, I had a little note here. I said, I think we should all go and start a new business. We should all start a new business of building bunkers. We could be bunker builders for all of these people that are going to think they're going to be saved for their bunker. Amen? Amen? We can earn all that money. We can give it away to the church and to the poor. And at the same time, we can get saved. Because it doesn't matter. Your silver and gold is not going to save you. All these people that want to save up all their money... I'm sorry, it's not going to help you out. Silver and gold won't save. It's only the blood of the Lamb will save. Amen? The world is going to be a mess. They're going to cry out to the rocks. Just fall on us. Hide us from the face of the Lord in the wrath of that terrible day when it comes. For that great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Nobody can stand. Nobody's going to be able to stand on that day. But remember this, God is in control. Remember that. When you see all these things happening and this earth shaking, you stand your ground and you say, God is in control. I will not be shaken. I will not be afraid of the terror that flies by day or the pestilence that flies by night or the arrow or anything else that could come upon this earth because I'm not of this earth. My home is not here. My home is in heaven with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. Then, the God, then God has an angel. He sends out four angels to hold back the winds of the earth. And when you don't feel any wind blowing, 
You start praising God. You just start praising God. When you don't feel any wind and it's like a dead still. Like the calm before the storm. You know, you ever been, my brother's been in the eye of a hurricane and he sent us videos of it. Down there in Florida. And you see all the chaos, but then when you get in the eye of the hurricane, they go out of their house, they look around, they start assessing the damages before they go back in because they have a brief moment in time before the other half of the hurricane comes upon them. And it's calm. You can actually see like the sun and blue skies above you. It's calm. It's the calm before the storm when you don't see any wind blowing on this earth. And everybody's amazed because the oceans are calm. The seas are calmed. The lakes, there's no waves. There's no wind to cause any waves. There's no wind to blow the leaves off the trees or move back and forth. The four angels that are holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. He says, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God then I heard the number of those who had been sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe, all the way from Judah down to Benjamin. And then, what happens when they sealed up the 12,000? Then, what happens? What does John see? He said that all of a sudden what stood before me was a multitude of people from every tribe, tongue, and language, from every nation, a multitude that I could not count. They all had palm branches in their hand, and they all praised the Lord, and they just suddenly appeared in the heavens. That's the rapture, church. That's where we're caught up. And we're brought up with the Lord. And we sing a song that goes like this. Salvation belongs to our God. Who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb. Amen. They get dressed in white clothes. Those are the believers that believed on the word of God. That they received Jesus in their heart. Because it said that they just appeared. It says it right here in verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God. Amen? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne. The Lamb who was slain. Salvation belongs to our God. That's our hope. Amen. That's what's going to happen. In the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be caught up in the air. We're going to be changed. It's going to happen that fast. It reminds me of a book my pastor wrote one time, suddenly, and that's the title, suddenly I was changed. Suddenly. Things are happening suddenly right now. I, I, I just am amazed on how John put it when I think about it. I mean, here's John. He's been caught up into the third heaven. God is revealing all this to him, this revelation of the end days and what's to come. And it's a revelation of hope for us believers. It's to encourage us that, hey, hold on to God. Don't let go of that garment of Jesus. 
Don't let anyone deceive you. You know when you read all the, in the Gospels about the end days, one of the first things Jesus says to his believers, to his disciples, he says, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone deceive you. Many will come in my name, and they will deceive many. Don't let anyone deceive us, church. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by a man. Trust in God. Don't trust in anything else. Put your hope and faith in God and you stand on the word. When all you can do is you stand. It's like they say, if you want to resist the devil, you just stand. You stand your ground and you resist the devil and the Bible says he has to flee. And you believe it in your heart. Don't let the devil come attempting you. You stand your ground. Don't be deceived by any devil or any man out there that's trying to tell you that this Bible, oh, this Bible's been manipulated and corrupted. It's not. It's the Word of God. It's holy. It's anointed. And it will go on forever and ever is what the, what the Bible says. And he said, my word will never perish. His word will never perish. It's alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen? Amen? So, Lord, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God. As we go into here, we're going to start next week, Lord Jesus, by opening up the seventh seal and getting into the trumpets. Lord God, and thank you that we're not around for any of that. That's coming. Because it's not going to be pretty. And it's not going to be a fun place to live. But we're not going to be here to... We're going to be up there with you in heaven. <clears throat> Amen. Father, I praise you and I thank you, Lord God. I pray that, Lord God, anything I've said that's not of you, Lord God, will just pass by. But, Lord God, anything that I've said that's of you, Lord God, and that's your word, Lord Jesus, that it would hide in our hearts, that we would have it in our hearts, that we would stand on it, and we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine, by every smooth smooth preaching preacher <laughs> who doesn't know the word, but Lord God, we want to have your word, your word. It's in you who we believe. It's not in man. It's in you who we trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not on your own understanding. In all our ways, make our path straight. All our ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Let me get it right. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lord God, we are trusting in you, in you alone. You're our rock. You're our salvation. You're our foundation, Lord God. And it's only by your blood and your stripes that we're healed, set free, and delivered. And I thank you, Lord, and I praise you for that. And I praise you for all your benefits that you've done for us. Help us to pray earnest, earnestly, to get our prayer lives in line with you and serious about what's to come. Lord God, that we might be able to prolong these days. I don't know, Lord Jesus. But I do know that if they're not prolonged, Lord God, that, Lord God, that you are going to take us out of here, that are, that are earnestly seeking your face. Lord God, help us all. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.